So today I have the privilege of rounding out. I moved this over here because if I walk near this thing, it's something in my brain feels like I'm going to trip and fall. So that's why this is over here, not in the middle, because I need room to pace because I'm a pacer when I talk. So this morning, I have the privilege of rounding out our foundation series here at Legacy. How many of you have been here for any of our foundations messages? Most of you guys have heard at least one. Um, we basically took all of January this year, um, or at the beginning of the year, and we are talking about all of our core values here at Legacy. We're talking about um, what we're about as a church. Um, and so I get the privilege of ending our sermon series on foundations with our final foundation, which most of you know is family. Family. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. So I love talking about family. I think that it is incredibly pivotal when it comes to uh, the growth of a church community. So I'm excited to talk to you guys about it this morning. And first service went really, really well. I, oh, hi. Guys, my baby's just talking to me. Hi. Hi, honey. Whatever, you do it for the smile. Am I right if you're a parent? Whatever it takes. So the title of my message this morning is experience over knowledge, becoming a family. So like imagine like in your brain, experience over knowledge, dash, becoming a family, because that's what it's going to be on the podcast. So I'm going to talk today about the reality of becoming a family and what it actually costs us as a community to become a family. So I we have this handy little saying here, Lyle said it during our baby dedications, which is, we're not just a ministry, we are a family. family. We started saying that prior to me even really being here as a part of Legacy. We were Iris Nashville at the time. And the Lord really put on Lyle's heart to make this declaration. We're not just a ministry, we are a family. And if you talk to him about it, and then me now as we've gotten married and have experienced this, we were not quite prepared for the reality of what that declaration would really do to our community. So when we say, all of you know this, because we all have families. When you say, or when I say, um, we're not just a ministry, we're a family. About half the room is like, yes. And then half the room's like, no. Because <laughs> they're like, everybody has this different experience with family. Am I right? So like some of you had this really beautiful experience with family and, and you were preferred and loved and honored and cherished. And then other people have an experience with family that was not like that. So we ran into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock making this declaration. And it felt like, okay, God, why did, of all the declarations, I wish we could have said like, we, our community makes lots of money. Woohoo. Like we're all financially stable. That would have been like a really cool declaration. But I think what we see in short sight, you know, God sees long-sighted. Is that even a word, like far-sighted? He can see down the road. So he was giving us a declaration to make because he saw our end from our beginning. 
And he's like, if you make this declaration, then everything else will be added to you. So this morning, we're going to talk about it. So just so you guys know, I'm not like as, Lyle's really revelatory. I'm a little bit more like, here's a tool, let's use it. So that's why we're a good team. Because otherwise, like, if it was just me, maybe you'd feel a little bashed over the head, not my heart. My heart is to empower our community to be a family. So I'm going to give you guys some tools this morning. Um, and so let's just start with some prayer. Jesus, we love you. We love you so much. And we actually prefer the way that you do family. So Lord, we declare that our hearts, my heart, is willing to be molded and transformed this morning. We want your definition of family, and we want to do family in the way that you see fit. So God, this is your house. You do with it what you want. We're here to serve you and you alone, Jesus. If everybody agrees with that, say amen. 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 So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys a little story. Um, obviously, I was recently pregnant. And she's really cute. So I was recently pregnant, and we were, like, getting towards the end, and I was about to have her. I was about two weeks away from my due date. And my midwife tells me, because we're weird like that, I have a midwife and, you know, like, home birth, all that kind of stuff. So also, disclaimer, I'm a mom. I learned all of my, like, spiritual lessons from being a mom and having kids. So we're going to talk about things like birth and things like parenting and boogers and all that kind of stuff. So get comfy because I'm really comfy. So I'm going to talk about that stuff. So anyways, so we were about two weeks away. My midwife tells me, hey, your baby is breech. I'm like, Still, you know, I'd known for a couple weeks my baby was breech. Um, and she was like, yeah, still breech. And I'm like, no, in my head, I can't give birth to a baby that's breech. You know, like, that's just not safe. It's not great. And so I'm, like, doing everything in my possibility to get this baby to turn over. So, like, imagine in your mind me, nine months pregnant, upside down on my head while my toddler walks by and sticks his finger in my nose at home. I was like literally what I did for two weeks. I stood on my head and Isaiah, my two-year-old, just like toddle up and be like, mommy, and stick his finger in my nose. I'm like, whatever it takes, Jesus, just get the baby to flip over. So we go in to our final ultrasound before the baby's due. And we have this feeling, we're like, okay, I think she's flipped over. This is amazing. The ultrasound tech walks in. She's like um, a well-seasoned woman. She knows what she's doing. And I'm expecting literal confetti to pop out of the ultrasound machine because I've worked so hard to get this baby to turn over. And this woman, she's like just you know, pulls out the little wand, she like sticks it on my belly and she's like, head down. I'm like, yay. I'm like, no applause, nothing. I've tried and looked, head down, great. So she takes like four, you know, literally four minutes, baby's head down. And I'm like, great, this is amazing. I'm so excited, I'm ready to go eat lunch because I'm nine months pregnant. And we have my toddler there. So he's literally running circles around the table. 
climbing onto like, there's like a little chair next to the sink. So I was climbing on the chair, like trying to sit in the sink. And I'm like, oh dear Lord, please just let this appointment be over. We got to go. And in walks this sweet ultrasound tech in training. And I'm like, oh no, because we're at Vandy and it's a teaching, you know, hospital. Wonderful. Everybody's got to learn. But I'm like, not today. Not the student today. 20 minutes later, we walk out of the appointment. Why? Because, you know, he's practicing and he's trying to figure it out. He's a little nervous, but like he knows what to do. So he's telling the ultrasound tech like what he should be doing, but she's actually showing him what to do, you know, because he just like graduated school and he knows what he's doing, but he doesn't like really know what he's doing. You know what I mean? So, you know, I mean, I love it. If I'm in a situation, thank God that wasn't an emergent situation, but if I'm in an emergent situation and, you know, I'm presented with two doctors, both been to school, you know, one might graduated top of their class, graduated really recently. They know all of the new, greatest, latest techniques for accomplishing my surgery. Or I like look over and I see this well-seasoned woman she might not know the latest, greatest, but she's performed the surgery like a million times. Who are you going to choose? Seriously, like who are you going to choose? Right, right. You're going to choose the one who's done the surgery a hundred times because, you know, for the most part, if, sorry, if my baby does get really, I'll just put her on. She likes her mom a lot, but I like her a lot too. But you're going to choose the one that's done it a hundred times. Why? Even though she might not know the newest, greatest ways of doing things, why are you going to choose her? You're going to choose her because she knows what she's doing. You know, it's not just, I learned it in school. It's, I've done this before. Am I right? So this morning, we're going to talk about the reality that knowledge trumps, or experience trumps knowledge. So... Knowledge is where we start, the definition of knowledge. Knowledge is the fact or condition of being aware of something, the circumstance or condition of apprehending truth or fact through reasoning. So with your brain, you acquire truth, knowledge. This is very popular in our culture today. We're a very, very knowledge-hungry uh, culture. Am I right? Consume, 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 learn so that we can debate about it. Consume more, consume more, consume more. So we're very like, you know, it's not a bad thing to be knowledge driven. That's actually a beautiful thing. You can't be, you can't experience something without knowing about it first. Am I right? Except Jesus. Sometimes he just steps in. You might not even know about him and there he is. He's amazing. But for the most part, you know, knowledge is a part of the journey. So the problem with stopping at reasoning is that we never fully become saturated with the thing that we're wanting to actually be proficient in. So a lot of us, me included, we have this idea maybe in our head that we're not super great at relationships. We're not super great at like managing our finances, any number of things. But I, I would suggest to you that nine times out of 10, there's that 1%, but, or 10%, like nine times out of 10, it's not that we're not 
good at those things. It's that we've stopped at knowing a lot about it and really haven't pushed through to like doing it. Does that make sense? So I think the enemy keeps us entrapped in this idea that relationships are really, really hard. And so it scares us away from ever participating and we're like, I'm just bad at relationships. But that's not true, family. Like, you guys are great at relationships. We just know a lot, and we're working on doing it. Am I right? Awesome. So, knowledge. It's the, it's the first step. You can't experience something without first knowing about it. You know, I can't experience Lyle if I've never met him, you know? I'm so glad I met you. Thank you, Jesus. So that's the reality. Am I right? Like, let's all get on the same page. Knowledge is good. I'm not bashing the reality of needing to know something. But what I'm encouraging us to do is go beyond knowing something to actually experiencing the something that we think we're really proficient in. Like I said in the beginning, we all have a family. So when we make the declaration... We don't want to be just a ministry. We want to be a family. Like, I mean, me, I'm speaking for myself. I'm like, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at family. I have one. So I'm really great at it. Problem with that is, is that I, if I believe something like that, relationally, like when it comes to making a declaration about family. Um, Family is something that evolves. It's something that grows because it involves us, people. Am I right? We evolve. We grow. So if I declare, I know all that I know about family and I refuse to grow anymore, then, you know, good luck. Like we don't have the opportunity to actually step into the evolving, revolving family that happens within a church community. Am I right? So, you know, that's just part of it. We, can't, we have to let go of the, re, the thought that we know everything about family because we have one. You know, we all have different experiences with family, and we have to let God define for us what true Christian family looks like. So this morning, I'm going to give you guys a few practical tools, some things that I've found in scripture, I found in my own life, um, that really help us to not only know about family through reasoning, but experience family through participation. So experience. If knowledge is acquiring facts through reasoning, experience is this. It is being affected by or gaining knowledge through direct observation or participation. So participation basically takes what we have learned through reasoning and it puts it to a test through participation. So to experience something, you have to surrender what you know, put it to a test, and then participate in it. Am I right? So family, this foundational idea I think we all would agree. I mean, how many of us would say, I want to experience family here at Legacy Nashville? A couple of you? Yeah, I'm me. I want to experience family. I want to experience the richness of family, sharing with each other, um, you know, being together. So here are some of my uh, tools for doing that. If you're taking notes, we'll start here. So the first thing that we actually have to um, acknowledge 
or experience or participate in to experience family is honor. So all of these things, um, I'm going to share with you three tools just to kind of disclaimer. They all build on one another. So the first foundation to participating in family is first and foremost, honor. Most of us don't even know what that means. Sometimes I'm like, what is honor? Like, it's just a good word that we use in church, right? How many of you know what honor means? Like true honor, biblical honor. So the definition via the internet is really simple. It's just to hold in high esteem, honor. Hold in high esteem. So honor is a very interesting um, thing because honor is actually not something that has to be earned. Honor is something that you freely give. Just give it. You give honor. Um, to really fully engage with a person, you have to start with a foundation of honor, meaning I see you, I respect you, and actually like I hold you in high esteem knowing that you are just like me. We're a person. We're here all having a human experience together. And, you know, like here's some honor. The funny thing about honor is also this. Honor does not coincide with another person's righteousness. Which is really tough to think about, especially for those of us who have really strong justice buttons. Like, here's honor based on, like, your merit. That's not honor, actually. That's not the definition of honor. Honor is freely given, and it's basically just, hi, my name is Allison. Hi, Bridget. You deserve some honor. You know, like, that's, that's just really how it goes. I don't actually get to run you through my litmus test of do you deserve honor? That's actually not a phrase that you get to use. You don't deserve honor. Honor is freely given. Ask the king of the universe who died on a cross to bestow honor upon you, not because you deserved it, but because he loves you. Right? Right? So here's the thing with honor. It's a little bit offensive but it's the baseline. And I really do think this is where we count ourselves out the most with family. We like quit before we even really begin is this honor piece because we're waiting for somebody to deserve our honor. And that's just never going to happen. Like it's just something we give. It's a gift. Yeah. Everybody, every single one of you is deserving of honor. If you don't believe me, let me read you a scripture to prove it. So this is uh, Romans 12, 9 through 10. They're discussing how should the church interact with one another. And this is what is said. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. And I find it very interesting that there's this permission because here's, here's what I'm not saying. Like righteousness is a byproduct of spending time with Jesus. So as you spend time in communion with the Holy Spirit, you become more like him, righteous in all that you do. However, 
you know, we're allowed to hate what's evil. That's, we have permission to hate what's evil and love what is good. But we do not have permission to, to let that be what we choose if we're going to give somebody honor or not. You know, it's like, well, they like do good in my standards. So like honor, that's not how it works. So let me be so bold to tell you, we will not experience family here unless we're able to personally give honor to one another freely without, you know, anything. You just, here you go. Here's some honor. I don't agree with you. Here's some honor. Great. Let's talk about it. This time of our, you know, history here, I'm not going to make a political statement, but I am going to say, let's just choose some honor. Let's just choose some honor. Do you want this place to be safe for people to come and meet Jesus? Give out a whole lot of honor. A whole lot of it. A whole lot of it. So point two, starting with honor, built upon that is vulnerability, coming out of hiding. I talked about this a little bit um, last sermon. I'm obsessed with Brene Brown. If you don't know who that is, do yourself a favor, look her up, read a couple books, listen to her TED talk. But one of her like big, 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 um, something that she just yells, it's like, you know, a pillar in her um, speaking is the courage of vulnerability. So vulnerability is something that takes a whole lot of courage, which is why we first have to start with honor. So honor says, it doesn't matter what you do, you deserve some honor. Therefore, now you can be vulnerable because it takes a lot of courage to show what's inside of your heart, show what's happening inside of you to other people. Am I right? Man, it takes a lot of courage to do that. So when Adam, man, was first created, he was created in the garden in perfect relationship with God, and he was fully dressed. Wrong. He was not fully dressed. He was naked. He was naked. You know, hey, what's up? I'm naked. I said naked in church. Naked. He was naked. And why? Because that is how we were created to live, how we were created to be. And what happened when shame was introduced? We were clothed. You know, Adam's like hiding from God in the garden, and God's like, uh, I'm sure that it was kind of like this. God was like, Adam, where are you? You know, like he knows where he is. He's like right there. So Adam like comes out and he's like, oh, like I feel so ashamed. I violated our relationship and, you know, I'm naked. And God's like, who the heck told you you were naked? And he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, shame told him he was naked, you know. Satan told him he was naked. So what, what did God do? He clothed Adam, made clothes for him. Why? Because honor. You know, it's not just my way or the highway with the Lord. He's, he honors us. He honors our process. But he clothed him. And all of the Old Testament is a picture of humanity, like, trying to get close to God, but then like putting distance, you know, like I don't want to be so close, but like I want to be really close. You know, it's the law introduced, you know, 
we want to be close. We want to know what you're saying. We want to know what you're feeling, but like not so close that you can see us. Moses, you go and just like get it for us. And then why did Moses get to see the glory of God? Vulnerability. Vulnerability. He said, okay, I'll go. I want to see God. I want to experience him face to face. God, face to face. And God encountered Moses because he was willing to be vulnerable before him. So in Genesis 8 through 11, I'm not going to read the verse because it's a little long. But you see this picture of God clothing man. And then what happens as Jesus comes on the scene? He dies on a cross to restore relationship. And I know that it's cultural, most likely, but it's something that's talked about in the scripture. And it was how Jesus was crucified. How was he crucified? You know, he was, he was naked. He was naked. Why? Because vulnerability restores relationship. Courage to be vulnerable and be seen restores relationship. Jesus has it in his heart for us to experience the family that's happening in heaven. You know, like the perfect relationship between the Godhead, the perfect preference, the perfect honor, the perfect vulnerability. He wants us to experience that. He wants us to experience that here and now. And so he died and he says, you know, here I am restoring relationship, restoring it because you don't have to be covered in my presence. I don't feel the pressure to be covered and hide myself from you. I want perfect relationship with you. So the final thing that I think really helps us to establish family is this, trustworthiness. So first, honor makes way for vulnerability. And vulnerability makes a doorway for trustworthiness to be built. If honor is freely given, trust is earned. Trust is something that you build. It's like a house. You know, you build it brick by brick, trustworthiness. So a really, really great, easy, simple way to build trust is this. It's what God declares over his disciples. It's what's shared in the New Testament from Paul, which is this. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. It's really simple. Trustworthiness is I feel courageous to be vulnerable. Here's my heart. And you have the opportunity, person on the other end, you know, here's my heart. Here's my heart to you guys. You guys have the opportunity to build trust in my life or destroy trust in my life. So let's say, you know, I, I want to be connected with you. I'm like, hey, let's go get coffee. I really wanna to get to know you. Family, that happens all the time here, right? You're like, approach somebody, you're like, hey, I'd love to connect with you, this would be amazing. Somebody steps on, you know, they're like, yeah, like I'd love to connect with you. And they're super pumped on it. And then they literally keep canceling on you. What does that do? It erodes trust. Why? Because it's better for them just to say, no, thank you. 
I don't have time in this season or I'd rather not connect with you in this season. I have a family, I have friends. Because we as humanity crave authentic, true connection. And a, and a false yes is like the most detrimental thing to trustworthiness. So here's my charge to us as a family is one, let's commit to be people who are yes when we say yes and no when we say no. You all have permission to tell me no. Why? Because I'd rather you be giving your real yes to me to each other than a like half-hearted like oh like sure I'll try because I actually have this crazy picture in my head that we could be a family that we could actually encounter true real authentic God breathed God centered acts to family I believe it do you guys believe it yeah so the enemy might have told you, you're really, really bad at doing this whole relationship thing. You always drop the ball, blah, 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 blah. That's not true. That's actually so far from your wiring and so far from the truth. You're amazing at family. You just gotta do it. We just gotta do it. We just gotta participate. All right, let's stand up. So here is what participation looks like. Participation, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing all the proceeds to all who had a need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here is the reality. I believe that heaven's original vehicle for world change is family. It's right here in the scripture. As they did family, what did God do? Add day by day to their numbers all those who are being saved. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like to experience true connection in such a way that caused Nashville to stop and say, what are they doing? What are they doing? And then they walk in the door and they're like, I don't have to be anything but myself and honors given to me freely. What? I feel free to be myself. Here's my heart. And then we grow in relationship. Nashville saved is not that hard. It might be difficult, but it's not hard to comprehend. Why? Because I think one family, one family saying yes to Jesus and yes to each other and yes to relationship could actually bring revival to a city 
Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Guys, it's not that hard. It's difficult, but it's not that hard because this is fun to have. Family is fun. To come together and worship Jesus in his house is fun. To eat food together is fun. Are you kidding me? Signs and wonders happened as they broke bread together, as they encountered one another, looked him in the face and said, I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in you. So this is our final foundation. This is what I believe is God's vehicle for Nashville set on fire. The nation set on fire knowing Jesus. So I want us to be challenged today to participate. If you come to church here at the temple, the house of God, every so often and tell me, I don't feel family. My heart breaks for you because I'm like, commit, show honor, be a part. If you want family, participate in family. Nobody's gonna give you a space at the table if they don't, you know, see you there. There's no, I don't see you here. So I'm not putting a chair out for you, but chairs are always available when you're there. Hey, we're gonna drag chairs up to the table just like Jesus does. It's like Lyle says, he is the most annoying patron to the restaurant, dragging that table, squeaking across the restaurant just to have one more seat at the table. So come, be at the table, participate. We have an incredible opportunity in this season and we're launching these things called dinner parties. We're not just trying to be trendy, we're trying to be biblical, but we're also trying to do family because we want you to break bread together. We want you to do community, to get connected. Like we, we want that for you guys. We don't want there to just be a temple experience. We want there to be a breaking bread experience. So my encouragement is we're launching those in two weeks. So not this Wednesday, it's team night. Next Wednesday is our first dinner party. We have 10 hosts or 10 groups, houses that we're meeting at. So if you wanna get plugged in, get involved, be a part of a dinner party, then email us. You can connect with Kristen at LegacyNashville.org or you can go to our website and sign up there. But why I'm saying this is because I actually believe that we're called to see Nashville set on fire for Jesus. I believe that and I wanna do it with you guys. Yeah. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, Jesus, King of all kings, you are the perfect picture of love, a family, and we wanna do it like you do, Jesus. And if you're here today and you have not had the privilege of meeting Jesus, or you're hearing about family and you're like, I wanna be a part of that, and you've either been far away from Jesus for a time or you've not yet met him. If you wanna come back home to Jesus, could you just raise your hand, every eye closed, every head bowed, in permission to be vulnerable. You can raise your hand because we wanna pray with you today. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand. I see you. 
family. Let's pray all together, every eye closed. Jesus, we give you our heart today. We declare that your blood was enough. I declare that I want to be part of your family forever. You are my king. You are my savior. And I accept you into my life. And I want to be obedient to everything you say. Jesus. Let's just give Jesus a round of applause this morning. He's amazing. We bless you, Jesus. We love your family. Hmm. All right. Wasn't that great? Can we give Allison a round of applause again? Thank you so much. It was so encouraging. Uh, so earlier during the first service, I was uh, listening to this, and I was just kind of asking God, um, kind of what was next? You know, what did he want to do after this? And I felt like there was a place of response, that we were supposed to respond to this, as opposed to it just being this um, really amazing message about family where we say, yeah, that's great, we love family, we're family, that we actually respond to it. And almost like a renewed place of, okay, I'm choosing to be in this family again. So whether that's someone where you've been here a long time or whether you've just been coming once or twice, um, I really feel like God wants a response from us and to this message of, are we willing to do these things? Are we willing to be family and willing to put ourselves out there? So um, with that, I'm just going to ask you all to repeat after me, if that's okay. It's going to feel a little cheesy, but it's going to be good. So if you will, if you want family, first off, so kind of ask in your heart, don't just repeat after me. I want you, I want you to decide if you want family, if this is what you want, if you're saying, yes, this is, I want to be family here at Legacy and I want to feel that. And maybe I haven't up until now, maybe I have, but either way, I'm choosing to be in this family that I want you to repeat these things after me. Say, I, 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 will. I will. You guys are doing, you know, we gotta get excited. I, I, I will. Honor. honor. I will choose honor. I, I commit to being vulnerable, to letting my heart be out there. And I, I commit to being trustworthy, to being a safe place to letting my yes be yes and my no be no. Yeah. So next, I just kind of, if you'll take the hand next to you, you know, bridge the gap between the aisles, if you will. We're going to be family because we just committed to it. So find, if anyone doesn't have a hand, go find someone or find them, bring them in. And we're going to end and we're going to pray being family, being connected. So Jesus, thank you so much that you founded your kingdom on family. In the beginning, before there was sin in the world, you looked at man and said, it's not good. It wasn't good because he was alone and you started a family. 
You started your kingdom on family and it will end on family when we are in heaven. And so we mimic that on earth here today. And we choose that and we do that here in our community. And we say we're a family and we choose to expose ourselves to what family looks like and that it's good and it's hard and it's challenging, but it's worth it. And Lord, we just ask that you would just heal our hearts of any place where family has been hard, where family has burned us, where family has maybe been something that actually caused trauma or caused issues in our life. We just invite you into that place and say, God, come and heal our hearts. Restore family. Restore your perspective. Heaven's vision for family in my life today, God. And Jesus, make us a community and a family that's safe to do that, that's safe to say, hey, your family experience wasn't God's family experience, but we want you to have that here. I want to link arms with you and love you through that process. And so we just commit to family today and we thank you. You're amazing, God. We choose you. Amen. Megan and the ministry team up here, we'd love to pray for you. If there's anything that you uh, want prayer for, and yes, team night this Wednesday, next week, dinner parties. If you're interested, email me, Kristen at LegacyNashville.org. Thanks.